I thought for once I would give you all the full remit of the brilliance that is contained within that song. Those more astute of you will notice I am by myself. This week I am by myself. The reason why? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. It's a bit of a mystery um, to me at this stage because I haven't heard from my partner in crime. So currently, who knows? He's ditched me. <laughs> um, but yeah, apologies for the radio silence of last week. As you can no doubt hear, I, I remain unwell. I remain unwell. So as long as you guys can all um, put up with the sound of my occasional coughing, I'm doing a lot better than what I was. Uh, and thankfully, you won't have to see any of the, uh, any of the delightful colours that I've been coughing up over the past couple of weeks but there we are it's all it's all thanks to my wife that i'm ill uh not a joke it is she works for the national health service and so she brings these types of things home with her god damn it <laughs> ah well it happens <coughs> is he off ho ho hoing uh i couldn't tell you maybe maybe who knows who knows like uh it's it's one of those things that is a it's a legitimate mystery at the minute it's a it's a legitimate mystery uh as as to where he is uh my my first deduction would be um overtime right he he has a conventional job that way around whereas i work 38 39 hour days <laughs> Um, so that's not really the, 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 the same kind of convention that applies. But anyway, we are four minutes in. Welcome back to another episode, my lords, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all doing splendidly this evening. I thought we would tackle a kind of a, a, a quirky Christmas topic with you all this evening. Um, namely, the behavioral manipulation and behavioral insight of one child psychopath uh, uh, Kevin McAllister <laughs> if you aren't familiar with him uh, then I'm not entirely sure what kind of rock you live under or what kind of Christmas you experience but it is worse for your lack of knowledge on him in this way um, he was the star of the only two Home Alone films. There have been no more, uh, and that's that's the cardinal rule. And we will be we will be sticking to it. So that's where we're going. But uh, I I wanted to um, I wanted to talk to you guys about this article I saw on um, the Lad Bible. It's a Facebook page, very popular in the UK, very popular online. They do, um, you know, first impressions, snack wars with all the celebrities. That's a pretty popular thing as well. And the, these are these are the kinds of things that annoy me. Not the not the snack wars and the first impressions. I think they're great, um, but this article that I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about it. It's currently on there, attached to their Facebook page uh, at the minute. 
And here you go. Private investigator reveals four signs your partner is cheating on you. Now, I read this. Uh, I read this last night. <laughs> and it's the biggest heap of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. The biggest heap of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. One second. Let me just bring the dog back. <laughs> so, to that end, private investigator reveals four signs your partner is cheating on you. And that private investigator is not me, right? I'd have written a much more comprehensive piece. Uh, in addition, there is a number of spelling and grammar mistakes in the article as well that is... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, two, given its popularity, private investigator Aaron Bond from Bond Reese Private Investigations told The Sun, reputable rag that is as well, told The Sun, there are several things you can be on the lookout for. Firstly, if they start to be protective over their phone and take it with them everywhere they go, it could be a sign that they've got something to hide. In addition, right, it is Christmas time at the minute. So what could be being hidden is the details of that person's Christmas presents that he's buying for his respective other half. And this notion is doing nothing but increase um, neuroticism within individuals. And the binary application of behavior in that this means this. Granted, you know, we could really lean into the words of the article thinking if they start to be protective over their phone. Right. And this is the implication that lies will have to be told as a result. That's just one of many examples of what it could be. Right. My phone is with me pretty much all day, every day. I take it when I go to bed. I take it with me when I go to the bathroom. I take it with me when I'm in the bath, right? It's there. This is my step counter. If I don't have it on me, my steps aren't counted for the day, right? There's another reason. <coughs> Alternatively, that gets solved initially if you simply talk to people. Now, as much as that pains me to be able to, to kind of admit, being how uh, anti-interaction I am, all of that goes away if you just talk to someone. Right? Why are you hiding your phone? I've got your details of your Christmas present on here, and I don't want you to see. Boom. Right? The reason neuroticism is seeded in that way is if the individual that becomes suspect of their behaviours has something to hide themselves, or it's previous baggage that they're bringing forward. In which case, they're the problem, not the person. Right? And I'm, I'm generalising over a lot of that because there are a shitload of variables that you can bring to each of these. I'm merely just representing a couple of them. My irritation being kind of levied at the fact that look out for these few things and you will know whether your partner is cheating on you or not. It's bollocks. It's bollocks. And it's made... 
to gain people uh, who are going to interact with the article. Right. So here's the next one. Uh, Bond explained, if your partner starts changing their passwords, uh, starts taking their phone everywhere with them, even around the house, or they become defensive when you ask to use their phone, it could be a sign of them not being faithful. Rubbish. Right? Defensive over somebody else using your phone, that's, that's cause for further questions, but not to direct cause and effect of uh, unfaithfulness at all. Far too many variables there to consider, right? I know many people who are defensive about uh, uh, people requesting to use their phone, not on the understanding that the phone in question is a business phone and the, the, this person's uh, activity on it gets monitored and whatnot, right? This type of context is important for the understanding of everyone else that's reading the bloody article, <laughs> right? <coughs> and this is why pseudoscience and all this other kind of bollocks is so prevalent. <coughs> Starts changing their passwords. Now, not every person is as as fond of memory techniques as as what I am. For every account I have, and there are a lot, every account has a different password, and I keep them all up here. Right, the keychain in this thing is empty. It's the safest option for me. So imagine that same scenario for other people, given the average person will have a Facebook account, an Instagram account, a TikTok account, a Twitter account, or an X account, as it is now, a YouTube account, an email account, maybe a couple of email accounts. Right, that right there is a number of passwords. So if you forget one, there is a reason to change many because one is usually repeated to try and make it easier for the person remembering all of these passwords. So to start changing could be because you've forgotten one and not as an immediate sign of unfaithfulness. So there you go, the bollocks as well. Um, he also warns that placing their phone face down might be too... I'm oh, sorry, I'll try and say that without laughing. He also warns that placing their phone face down might be to avoid you spotting any notifications they'd rather you didn't see. Right? Very often, that behavior of putting the phone face down is, is a sign of respect. You are communicating to other people that you're not interested in your phone. Your phone needs to be near you, but you're of no, no interest because that's where your focus is. That's one of the nonverbal interpretations. Again, there are many. Here you go. There's another important one that's that's come in as well. I can be defensive if you... Uh, this is from Craig. I, I can be defensive if you touch any of my stuff, especially if not asking first. Boom. That doesn't matter whether you're in a relationship or not, right? In that, in that way, right? If, if your items are your quirks, right, as many neuroatypical a person is, you'd, you'd touch it without permission or in the wrong way. Yeah, we're going to have an argument. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the placing of the phone face down. Nonsense. Nonsense, right? If somebody had any notifications that they didn't want you to see, you put the phone away. <laughs> it's simple, right? Add that to the... It's weird to phrase this as a fact. 
um, but the growing stats indicate it more and more along these lines. And this is from uh, market research more so than anything, that if you have a smartphone, chances are you have a number of smart devices, right? That doesn't necessarily mean smartwatch, but that means smart devices. So if you're in the household, your phone is linked to a tablet that's linked to a watch that for some people is linked to your bloody fridge, right? So if putting your phone face down is going to mean that the notifications go unseen, then a curious person can go and look at the tablets, look at the watch, look at the fridge, look at anything else that has a smart device capability. So this is just nonsensical by itself. Where did this guy get his license of serial parks? <laughs> Here's my coughing again. Uh, a second, right? So they were all variations of the first. Second up. If your partner is usually happy to tell you all about their day and what they get up to, you're missing there, journalist person, what they get up to, but suddenly starts telling you less and less, then, according to Bond, this could be a sign they're being unfaithful. Or it could be a sign that they've already gone through their day and don't want to relive it again, talking about it. The average bloke, the average one, can't speak for women, because I'm not one, but the average bloke, who, after having a shit day, of whatever kind of degree, has relived it again and again and again throughout the course of that day to come home and experience it again through conversation, however pleasant and however interactive that might be for the benefit of the relationship, to do it again is sometimes more of a pain in the arse than just writing it off. Sitting down in a chair, putting their computer on and just vegging out, just having a few minutes to themselves. Not a sign of unfaithfulness whatsoever. A sign of a disconnect from their job, a sign of a disconnect from their day, or maybe let's entertain that notion, a sign of a disconnect from the relationship altogether. Doesn't necessarily indicate unfaithfulness, just that they don't want to talk to you. There's another one. Uh, where are we? He explains that this can be down to feeling guilty about what they're getting up to, or because they're worried about slipping up and being caught out in a lie. Horseshit. That's complete horseshit. <laughs> Good. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. Bond's, thir Bond's third red flag is changes to your partner's libido. Oh, God. Good afternoon, Jennifer. Good afternoon. We're dealing with a, uh, for those of you just turning in, I can see the numbers fluctuating. We're dealing with uh, a, a pseudo, a pseudo uh, accurate um, article on uh, a, a private investigator's experience with unfaithful partners. Bond's third red flag is changes to your partner's libido. libido. Now, let's take the obvious anatomical one, the obvious one. Right. Once you get to your early 40s, as a man, your testosterone levels diminish. That's the most obvious connection to, uh, uh, to your libido right there, which is why 
a number of people when picking up these things in midlife crisis territory will start working out will start a physical hobby will uh, you know uh, buy an excessive car will buy a gun will whatever just to try and build those levels back up to bring some kind of sensibility of a connection back to whatever it was that testosterone got for them in the first place that's just one there are many other reasons as well in that way that also connect to some of the things that I was saying previously. Oh, dear. He explained cheaters often have less sex at home because they are cheating, but on occasions they may also have more sex at home. This is because they feel guilty and use this increase in sex to hide their cheating. Oh, God. So what he's saying there is they might have less, they might have more. It might remain the same. So what are you even talking about there, Bond? That was... That was... Oh, God. You can see why I got so irritated reading this article last night. You may also find that your partner will start to introduce new things into your sex life that weren't there before. Lastly, Bond warns that a cheating partner may become negative towards you. He says this is because they may feel no, no. I, I, we've we've ripped that to pieces already. May become negative towards you. Doesn't mean doesn't necessarily cause an effect. Mean cheating may just mean you're coming to the end of your time together. That is it. Another article uh, for the uh, the pseudo observer who can apparently see one thing and it mean. Something else altogether. What a load of absolute shit that uh, um, that entire thing is. Read it at your own dismay or have paracetamol standing by. <laughs> right? And, and I get that a, a number of things from the interview with Bond may have been left out for the sake of creating a good article. There's no, there's no way for us to know. Either way, it's it's things like this that create a piss-poor image of precisely what an observation and the reasoning of information is that's connected to it, right? It is precisely the kind of information that is spread like this that emboldens people to think that uh, I can spot a twitch of the eyebrow and know everything about them. I can spot a, a lip compression and, and know that they are lying to me. It's bullshit. Bullshit. Here's another one. Maybe he just can't get the sound of you nagging him out of his head long enough to get and keep things going. <laughs> it's a valid thing. There's so many variables to each of them. <coughs> anyway, I just wanted to pop that up as it's as it uh, uh, it came up, and we we very often rant about the 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 bullshit that's peddled on mass through social media as a way to gain clicks, but present, uh, presents this kind of uh, cerebral skill in, in a false light. I was trying to think of a polite way of saying it, but so hopefully you know what, know what I mean. Anyway, there's that. On to the fun stuff. Home Alone. It struck me that now talking about fantastical uh, 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 notions of uh, uh, psychological technique let's preface this 
with a disclaimer then at the start. I'm very aware that Home Alone is a movie. I'm very aware it's fantastical. I'm very aware that it is as far removed from real life as is possible. There, there was a, a, a video on YouTube of the realities of the injuries that the two burglars, Harry and Marv from Home Alone, would have received from going through the, uh, uh, the fun house. For example, a paint can to the face, not once but twice, is a death sentence at that kind of speed. I'm glazing over the details, but there we are. So I am aware of this, right? So in terms of this discussion, it's a bit of fun. So we are going into the bit of fun territory with the understanding that it is a film, but for the sake of understanding the motivational practices behind it, we're going to assume, much as I hate that concept, we're going to assume that it is a, 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 a copy of reality. It is a retelling. It is based on a true story. Right? I, uh, I, I, was, I was speaking to a few friends of mine years ago. Oh, I, I thought it would be fun if Kevin McAllister grew up to run like a, a, a SWAT unit or a, a special tactics division somewhere. And his, his weapons of choice were, you, you know, micro machines and a well-placed iron. <coughs> Obviously, it'd be a, a different form of torture if the iron was on. But then I saw uh, the. Um, it's like a, it's like a cinematic conspiracy theory, of how Kevin McAllister grew up to be Jigsaw, from the Saw films. <laughs> and there's a lot of points. It's 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 entertaining fun, but there's a lot of points in that. Um, uh, 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 that, that kind of connect to the movie's universe in that particular particular way. And it made me think, right? In order for, you know, Jigsaw, Kev, in these scenarios to elicit the kinds of activity that they do, there needs to be an understanding of human behavior in that if this person has this stigma pushed towards their uh, their way then they will react in in this particular manner you know thus making sure that they go up the stairs without their hands in front of their face protecting themselves or make sure that they go through this door to cause them the most pain and lose the most limbs afterwards right so <laughs> as is my want as a dork i reread the art of war Right, didn't take me very long because I've ran it through Speechify, and that reads it to me at about six hundred words a minute. So, I made I made some notes on the um, categories that we can put Kevin's antics into. That would fall into the realms of psychological manipulation, misdirection and surprise, resourcefulness and creativity, dedication and perseverance, and a lack of empathy. Right? It's a lack of empathy. Let's take the last one first, a lack of empathy. Now, there have been a few articles written already from kind of fringe psychologists or fringe bloggers with, a, with an interest in psychological technique and psychological practice in that particular way on the foundational observations of how Kevin McAllister is a psychopath. He's a complete psychopath. <laughs> 
one could make the argument one could make the argument one sec Lex come here one can make the argument that if you are a burglar entering a house without uh, without invite or without uh, a word of uh, acceptance from the owner that you forego any opportunity to have a degree of empathy from the person that owns that particular establishment one can make that argument but it's the degree it is the degree to which um Kevin assaults the burglars that kind of substantiates these 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 claims of his psychopathy I made my family disappear now instead of the immediate uh, 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 holy shit does that mean my parents are dead and my my sisters and brothers are dead let's go and jump up I'll jump up and down on the bed and eat popcorn right now, in, instead of knowing when and where the burglars are going to attack and staging a police interference at that particular stage after they've broken in, so you have proof, Kev proceeds to set up a house of horrors to, for, the, for the guys to go through. Vicious and feels no empathy in relation to, in relation to that. This allowing him to execute his traps with the most uh, ferocity and without any obvious signs of hesitation or remorse uh, that he possibly could. All very big indicators of old Senior McAllister being, um, being a psychopath. I think the only other observation that you could add on towards that is if he enjoyed pineapple on his pizza. Thankfully, he's a cheese pizza fan, and that is uh, uh, that is a, a check mark on, on his box, uh, uh, rather than the uh, psychop psychopathy angle. Because the Hawaiian pizza, for me, in my interpretation, you've got to be an absolute heathen if that's something you enjoy. And I'm including my wife in that category because she enjoys her Hawaiian pizza as well. But then she's an absolute psycho. <laughs> I can get away with this. She's walking around with the headphones in. She can't hear a word I'm saying. <laughs> So, that's the lack of empathy angle that we can see in Kev in that way. And as a parallel, not wrong with pineapple on pizza. I, well, that's case in point. Not wrong with pineapple on pizza. That, case in point, I know Craig to be an absolute heathen. <laughs> You're proving your point for me. Um, in that way, what's next? Grapes on pizza? When do you draw the line? Anyway, let's move on. Um, because this is still and continues to be a whole other debate. We ain't got time for. <laughs> we can come back to the, the pineapple on pizza debate at, at, at a separate uh, separate juncture. But for now... <laughs> one lack of empathy, I'm telling you, good lady. She knows. I tell her to her face often when she uh, when she uh, advocates for success. Um, I'm I'm not quiet about my opinions of of pineapple on pizza. Whomever it is that asks, my wife or otherwise. Uh, anyway, 
So we're going to go back to the first category now, psychological manipulation. Kev, playing on the burglar's fears and insecurities, using scare tactics and traps to make them feel uneasy and disorientated. So think of it this way, right? If, if for example, um, in Home Alone 2, if, for example, when Kev is running out towards the, the, the park uh, and uh, uh, Marv says, yeah, it's the park, right? Uh, it's the park, right? Kids are scared of the park. Uh, of the dark. Kids are scared of the dark. And then uh, uh, Harry points out that so is Marv as well. All of the traps happen at night in darkened rooms, down, you know, darkened chutes uh, that cause people to uh, react in ways that make their behavior erratic. Now, as you well know, emotional qualities are antagonistic to clear reasoning. And if you are ever in a situation that is causing you to react in a way that makes you fearful or uneasy, right? If I know what makes you fearful or uneasy in that particular way, I can create a situation that is gonna force those moments to be increased because the predictability of your of your choices of your actions goes up because those choices and actions are diminished as a result of your shortened capacity for critical thinking in that way right take home alone 2 again uh, 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 you know um, marv has just stepped on the nail uh, uh, had the the bag of uh, the bag of uh, cement mix on his face and whatnot, the paint, the electrocution, all of this kind of thing, and then walks right back outside and slips over on the ice that he already knew was there. Right, we play on fears and anxiety, and details go unnoticed. Details go unregistered. How is Kev aware of this uh, uh, this this manipulation tactic? How? It's brilliant. Right? He also exploits their greed and desire for material possessions by setting up elaborate scenarios to trick them into thinking that they'd stolen things of value. Right? Again, uh, look at the um, look at the Duncan's Duncan's toy chest scenario. He was aware that greed was going to make them act stupidly. Right, it, it, a lot like uh, the the reaction to fear. It's emotional charging. If you're becoming greedy, you're fo you're basically following your nose. You're following your uh, a root. You're following that which gets you aroused in that particular situation. And I'm using aroused as in the sense of uh, 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 an uh, an electrical conductivity through uh, any of the nervous systems, not arousal as in this this particular way. Right, as in, if I am hungry, uh, to the point where that is a notion that is overriding my thinking, then decisions I'm going to make in the moment are going to be based on achieving my ability to eat and satiating that need. Same for greed. Right, which is why Kevin, knowing that he, uh, the the uh, the wet bandits as they were in the first one wanting to rob all of the houses in the area, but knowing that he was particularly focused on the McAllister's household, means he could present that as the golden goose. 
right? And though we know that they hit only one other house, we don't know for sure that they hit the rest. Kevin mitigates the risk for everyone else in the neighbourhood by over-exaggerating the presentability of his house. Making sure the Christmas lights are on. Making sure it's standing out as a, you can't catch me, you can't get me, you think people are in here, you're fearful of getting caught, but you know someone's not here, you're fearful of the of Michael Jordan going past on the little train set, and yet you see it's only a kid. Right, this kind of psychological manipulation is, well, it's it's traditionally seen in people that are far beyond the years of an eight-year-old. I want to say, from the first, yeah, ma'am, I'm eight years old in the uh, uh, in in the supermarket. Far beyond the means of an eight-year-old, and yet, Kev, very capable in this particular scenario. Very capable. The other elements that we can focus on are ways to continue manipulation tactics, are ways to continue emotional charging, right? So if you take, for example, the notion of misdirection and surprise, the, the traps have been designed in such a way to catch Harry and Marv off, off guard, to catch them out of sorts. Right, you take the, uh, the 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 micro machines one. If they had walked slower to the foot of the stairs as opposed to charging, there is an increased possibility. Obviously, we can't know for sure, uh, but there is an increased possibility that they would be more aware of their surroundings based on their knowledge of moving cautiously from room to room, being as they've had a beating in, what, two or three rooms by then. And they don't... Zip, more disorientation with the micro-machines. I made a video, a joke video on this as well, in reference to situational awareness. <coughs> Harry. Uh, Marv, rather, uh, in, in Home Alone 2, after he's just gone through the, top, uh, the front door, he's taken all of the, the staples out of his body parts let's call them opens the door and as we know as the viewer there is a gaping hole in the floor and yet he just walks right into it misdirection and surprise how would kev be aware that that hole in the floor would do the damage it needs to he had to have been aware of it in order to set traps up on that on that floor had to otherwise he wouldn't have right other uh, so what i'm saying is with this kind of surprise element and misdirection you need a person who sat in a very particular state of mind right so if for example i have a coin and I want you to think it's in a very specific hand, I need to make sure that my hands are reacting accordingly, right? So if you know that I'm not really putting it in, in order for, in order for you now to think that I've put it in there, I need to make it look like it is. Right? I need to make it look that way. So that when this happens... The misdirection works to such a degree 
that the coin becomes invisible. As in, you don't really know where it is. Right? You control somebody's thinking in that way, and you can get all manner of items past them. This is the notion of misdirection. Watch Apollo Robbins' TED Talk on the matter. He explains it very succinctly, but very beautifully, uh, with this notion that everyone's got a little person called Frank in, the, uh, in their head. Uh, and when you ask them a question, based on anything, Frank has to go looking through the resources of information to find out if, uh, if that's there. When Frank goes looking, your attention has wandered in that way. So the, the, the misdirection and the surprise elements can be tailored to something bigger, badder, and more painful by virtue of the fact that Kev knows that they're only focused on him. Right? If, for example, these situations had been created where they weren't as emotionally engaged, so you couldn't slip any misdirected elements past them, all Harry or Marv would have had to have done is kick a door in, kick a window in, because they're no, no, no longer fearful of getting caught because of the noise. They just kick that in, walk around to find the individual, and snap his neck. <laughs> Done. But Kev, master, master blaster that he is, knows to keep the focus on him. Knows to keep the focus on him. And there will be this kind of underlying element guided by the egos of the burglars. How are two adults getting their asses handed to them by a child? Right? There is this understated and to that end unstated view, as they demonstrate through their actions, that he is just a kid. Right? It's, it's called back to... Uh, uh, in in the second one, we underestimated this little twerk before, but they still go through the same things in, in that they expect to win because they are adults and he is a child. Fool's errand, resourcefulness and creativity. Kev uses uh, household items in an unexpected and creative way to construct his traps. Demonstrated. His, uh, his ingenuity, almost, his out-of-the-box thinking, making it difficult for burglars to predict what could happen in a way to counter the tactics. Right? If they thought through the layout of the building a little bit further, as all of the research that Harry has apparently done in the first movie, you would know what room he's likely going to be in or what room to likely avoid based on the things that are going to be in there. Right? If I've just had my arse handed to me by the uh, by a flamethrower at the... Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't. That wasn't at the basement. Um, uh, by some icy steps at the basement. Right? And I've made, I've made my way back up. I'm already thinking the doors are screwed. So that's why... Marv goes for the open window. Again, another another forethought by Kev. Why would you open a window to the establishment that you're trying to protect? Baubles are on the floor. That only works 
if if uh, if uh, Marv places both feet on the floor at the same time. That doesn't work in any other situation. So this is the kind of creativity that we are that we are looking at in, in this particular way. How can you walk into a situation and expect a falling iron that's connected to a light bulb cord? A light bulb cord is just a light bulb cord. Magicians play on this uh, play on this all the time, right? There is a, a varying degree of of props that hide um, all this kind of magical apparatus. And the reason the the grander illusion takes place is because of the invisibility of the everyday item. Again, thinking that is far beyond the remit of of a, of a child, of an eight-year-old. Dedication and perseverance. Kev's determined to protect his home and his family, showing unwavering persistence in his efforts to thwart the burglar's plans, willing to go to great lengths to outsmart them and even putting his own safety at risk. Which the average person isn't capable of that degree of self-sacrifice in that way if we're if we're, again if we are considering this a, a representation of reality then this is a child facing off against two adults the child has to know that he's going to incapacitate the adults in some way right if he's gone for uh, 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 empty paint cans for example as they swing down there is a far far less chance of them doing any extended damage it will, it would hurt sure the metal cans being whipped conveniently at the right height right <laughs> if he had uh, measured the rope wrong they'd have just swung right past them or swung into their stomachs either way the adult is still uh, is still uh, more physically able than the child in that scenario so to diminish the human's natural responses to uh, uh, fear in relation to what is essentially two predators uh, I don't mean that in the kind of should be on a register term. I mean that in the kind of uh, anthropomorphized view of predator and prey. There are two predators in the house. Kev's still thinking his way through it sharply. He's still executing every trap that he's set up. He's still keeping his gun on him. He's still as kind as he possibly can. He's still as kind as he possibly can be. When picking up the spider to put on uh, 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 to put on Marv's face for that infamous squeal, bloody brilliant squeal from Daniel Stern, by the way, um, and that takes a, 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 a type of perseverance again that a number of children aren't, aren't capable of, a number of adults aren't capable of in that particular way. Most adults uh, who who go from hobby to interest to book to TV show to this aren't capable of that kind of focus needed to be aware of all of these variables and insights and information that are required in order to pull off those kinds of successful traps. So really what we're saying in looking at the, the, the kind of psychological technique behind this film, it is expert. It is psychopathic. <laughs> and it is brilliant. Kev, whether he go up to be Jigsaw or, or run one of the three-letter agencies, who knows or cares? But Kev is a genius. He's a genius. 
to be aware of all of these things, to guide his predators into acting in the way that he wants them to act. And there we go, folks. There's a brief little look at the uh, at the psychology of Kevin McAllister uh, from one of my favourite Christmas films. Uh, uh, we have a list of Christmas films that we make our way through in this household at this time, uh, of which Die Hard is one of them. This debate of whether Die Hard's a Christmas movie or not, it's totally a Christmas movie. If Die Hard isn't, then Home Alone can't be. <laughs> Die Hard is Home Alone, but for adults. That's what it is. <laughs> Less about the second one, and the rest clearly aren't, but the first... The first Die Hard uh, is irrefutably a Christmas film. So when Bruce said it in his in his Comedy Central roast, he was wrong. <laughs> All right, guys, let me know your thoughts on how sociopathic, how evil you believe Kevin McAllister to truly be, uh, and what your favourite parts of the actual film was itself. For me, there are many. I love the whole thing, particularly any scene with his mum, Catherine O'Hara or O'Hara, however you pronounce her name. She's brilliant. Love her to bits. Um, but yeah, with that in mind, guys, I'm going to love you and leave you, and uh, I will talk to you all soon. Take care.